0: I want to share just a little bit about the building program before I start, because uh, if you turn around and look to the back of the kitchen wall there, okay, what our plan is, once once we finish, get that usable out there, we're going to push this sanctuary back about that far and fill the whole thing with pews. I'll tell you a little bit about the history of this church. Once upon a time, we had about 70 people and we sent 11 of them down to start Lake Roosevelt Bible Church. And so we sent 11 of our 70 people away, and God filled the place back up. And once upon a time, the the sanctuary ended right about here. And we pushed it out 20 feet, which doubled our seating space at the time. And it took about three months and God filled it up. Okay, And, and I just have this real feeling but as soon as we can push a wall, <laughs> he's going to do it again because he's done it before. And, and I'm just, I'm looking back there and we're on the verge of, of uh, insulating. And on the heels of insulating is sheetrock. And, and I'm just getting excited. And uh, I just, I, I want you to share that with me. And uh, so I hope it, hope it is exciting to you. We're moving through a big chunk today. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Yeah. Really, really. (laughs) Believe it or don't, buckle up, we're going to go. So imagine you are alive 2,000 years ago, and uh, you are a Bible student. You're not like the world's greatest Bible scholar, but you, you know your Bible pretty well. And you, and you are a believer in God, even though you've never heard of this guy, Jesus Christ, did before. Uh, and by the way, Christ is not a last name, it's a title, so you've never heard of this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, before. And, and, uh, but you, hear about, you hear, start hearing about him. You hear about this guy who's walking around, doing, these, tr- doing this tremendous teaching, and doing miracles and signs and wonders. And so you say, I've got to go hear this guy. And so you go, you look out, you start hunting down where he is, and you finally find where he is, and you experience him in person. You see him doing these things. You hear him saying these things, and you are absolutely overwhelmed with the fact that this guy is awesome. And you walk up to him and you say, Master, I would follow you anywhere. And he looks at you and he says, you know... The birds of the air have nests, and the foxes have holes. But I have a place to lay my head. And you say, what? (laughs) (laughs) Because your brain doesn't wrap itself around that right away. And then it starts to dawn on you that he's saying, you want to follow me, you got to do that too. And then you start thinking, maybe this guy isn't quite as awesome (laughs) as I thought he was five minutes ago. Because this is is not registering on me. I'm not sure I like it. What if Jesus calls you to live a life where you do not see God's provision until it's actually there? Right? You go, whoa, wait a minute. So today we're going to see... First, that God is a faithful provider. And whether we see what we're being provided with or not, He is still a faithful provider. And then there is the, the simple step of saying, if we see that He is a faithful provider, then we can trust Him to be a faithful provider. And uh, if we do our part in serving Him, He will do His part in taking care of us. I mean, I, I keep thinking this as a as a... Uh, job situation, a work situation, and 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 I'll, I'll come back through this, but but uh, the boss gives you a job to do, he has to give you the stuff to do the job. unless you're a contractor, <laughs> he has to give you the stuff to do the job, and and he will because he wants you to do the job he's given you, and he doesn't want you if you're, you're if you're on the job, he doesn't want you on the job busy taking care of other details while you're on the job. Now we know. Everybody does it. They're on the computer doing this. The government government employees have to be told not to use TikTok on company time. And then they complain about it. How dare our government censor me? (laughs) It's like, hey, buddy, we're paying your salary. Stop doing that on company time. That's company time on company time. You serve the company. Well, that's not fair. (laughs) I like TikTok. Actually, I've never used TikTok. Uh, A girl was trying to tell me I should use TikTok once. And I said, well, show it to me. And I saw these cats. (laughs) <laughs> i said i'm i'm not i'm not doing that <laughs> never mind thank you so so i i don't i don't know how to TikTok. <laughs> you know but uh you know that might have something to do with other issues too <laughs> but we start out uh verses 25 through 30 we have these introductory statements for this reason i say to you Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is this life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they?" And which of you, by worrying, by, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice the lilies, how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you, of little faith? He says, don't worry about your needs. And there's a conflict here. Uh, if we are so worried about meeting our needs, uh, then meeting our needs will come first in our priority of things to do and things to the way we live our life. If, if, if we worry about meeting our needs, then our needs will guide us. We will make sure we have food. We will make sure we have drink. We will make sure we have clothing. And everything else that we think falls under that needs category, we will make sure we have what we need. And then, once we have met our needs, we will have the freedom to do those things God wants. Does that not sound like the average retirement plan? Yeah. Uh, you know, once, once I get there, then I can just do, start doing those other things. And by the way, I'm not going to ask for testimonies, <laughs> because we get them, and they take too long. <laughs> but but when, you, when you reach that retirement age and finally get to do whatever you want, What happens? Oh, I can't do that, (laughs) right? (laughs) And, And you hear about those people who actually get to do it, they are the exception, not the rule. The rule is that you reach that point, and then you don't get to do it anyway. Because you missed the opportunity. You had that shot, but you were too busy earning your right to have that shot later on. And you're so busy meeting what you defined as your needs that you never got to live that life that you thought you really would live once you had the chance to finally be free. And he's saying, You're free now. You have the ability to serve me now. The problem is you're worrying about those things, and because you're worrying about those things, you're serving those things, and you can't do it. The conflict is whether we are serving ourselves or serving God. That is the conflict that is going on. Uh, and, because, uh, and it's difficult to define needs uh, because one of our needs is tomorrow, right? Anybody not make sure you're prepared for tomorrow, today? Guess what? Today, I'm going to finish that Romans test (laughs) so that it will be ready for tomorrow. (laughs) I don't even see where she is, but wherever she is, she's just looking at me. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Samuel, why are you pointing? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm busy today trying to get things ready for tomorrow, right? It's, 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 Tomorrow, he says, don't worry about tomorrow, and the kids say, please, don't. (laughs) I say, oh, yeah, I'm not worried about tomorrow, but you should be, okay? (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow is part of it, and we always need to be prepared for tomorrow. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. By the way, he's not saying it's wrong to prepare for tomorrow, but it's wrong to let preparing for tomorrow get get in the front of serving Christ today, if we let preparing for tomorrow get in front of serving Christ for today, then what are we doing? We're saying I need to make sure I'm okay because I can't trust God to do it. And God is saying, I'm the boss here. I'm the provider. If you are doing what I what, what I want you to do, it's my job to take care of you. It's my job to do it. And and the problem is, man, we just don't see it. You know, it's really interesting to my, to me it, it, that that I've, I've said it many times, and you guys have probably heard it before. The best marriages are the ones where the husband spends his effort making sure the wife is happy, and the wife makes, spends her effort making sure his husband is happy. her husband is happy. And in those marriages, both husband and wife are always blessed. But in those marriages where the wife is saying, buddy, it's your job to make me happy, and you better do it, and if you make me happy, then I'll consider helping you, And those marriages happen. Or the husband says, look, woman, (laughs) it's your job to meet my needs. I'm the boss in this thing. right?" And he pulls scripture and tries to prove it. Doesn't look at the part that's actually addressed to him. But he (laughs) pulls scripture out and tries to prove it. And he says, look, woman, you better make me happy. That's your job. And if you make me happy, maybe I'll try to make you happy, too. Those are the worst marriages you're going to find. Those marriages are miserable. They are not happy. And God compares His relationship to the church, to the marriage, to the relationship of marriage. And His relationship to His people as a relationship of marriage. And if we are busy trying to make Him happy, guess what He's going to be doing? But instead, we live our lives saying, no, no, I have to make sure I'm happy first. And we are like the marriage that is doomed to be unhappy. Because we're too busy insisting on our needs, our wants, our desires being met. And once we fill those, then we'll take care of taking care of God. And think about that. In our relationship with God, uh, we don't know, we don't trust that it would work. We don't trust that if we seek first the things of the kingdom of God, that he will uh, provide all the things we need. We, we, we say, we know that you've got it all. We, we, we say it all the time, but we don't trust that we will get our share, so we have to make sure we get our share first. And and that's the that's that's what he says here. I, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you, you will eat or 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 what you will drink for your body or your body, what you put on. Your life's more than that. And he starts talking about other things. And so Jesus gives us testimony of God's provision. So for testimony, he says, Look at the birds. Look at the birds. Okay, uh, you ready? <clears throat> Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Right? Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I wish I had written that and I could, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I looked it up to make sure I had the words right and I went to YouTube and found a whole other tune. I said, I'm not trying to sing that one. <laughs> But but it's like the birds look at us and go, what's the matter with these people? They work so hard. They gather so much stuff. <laughs> they must not have someone else taking care of them. And the answer is, is, is and, and we, we, we often think we don't. And, and, and we can say, but that's not fair. I have responsibilities. The bird doesn't have responsibilities. I have needs. I take more. Th- I, I can't live in a nest. Right? I can't fly south for the winter. It's not fair to make that comparison. Pastor, you shouldn't make that comparison. And the pastor says, uh, You're talking not to the pastor. <laughs> you're talking to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus made that comparison, not me. And what's he saying? He's not saying be like a bird and live in a nest. He's saying if God will take care of them, he says, You aren't, you? he says, You are worth much more than them. He says that he's, he's making the comparison that if he can take care of something that he values as small as a sparrow, can he not take care of you who he loves so much that he died for? right? He, he's saying, don't you trust me? Don't you see that if I can take care of birds, I can take care of you? Uh, we can find all sorts of ways to complicate things, but Jesus didn't see that big a difference. Uh, he says, he does say we're much more important than birds. He doesn't ignore that fact. He doesn't ignore we needs, but the same principle applies, that if God will take care of birds, how much more will he take care of us? And then he goes on to that, can you add a day to your life? And I thought, wow, Surely that can't apply today <laughs> because we can do all sorts of things to lengthen our lives today. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think there's few things sadder than adding empty hours to your life. Uh, and, and, and it certainly looks today like we can add t- hours to our life. Uh, and I don't know how, what to say to that because they couldn't do the things we do today right? Uh, they couldn't take the medicines. They didn't have false joints and all those things. And, uh, but adding an hour to, of, of life seems to be the, one of the major preoccupations of human beings today, it, it is, is trying to add an hour. Somehow that will make it work. And, and, and frankly, if the world thinks that way, if people without Jesus think that way, I get it, because this is all they have, Right? Uh, there's a saying and it's true and it's simple but it's true for some people this is the closest to heaven they will ever get and for other people this is the closest to hell they'll ever get right if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior this is the closest to hell you'll ever get (laughs) and if you haven't the same thing that's the closest to hell for some is the closest to heaven for others and 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 that is a scary scary thought And so for the world, if they can hang on to this world for another hour, they're putting something off that they don't want to face. But for Christians, (laughs) it's like, I'm adding another hour, why would I do that? (laughs) It doesn't mean you should shorten it by an hour either, (laughs) by that way. Christians should think of a better life, not not more life. We should think of quality of life. When I say quality of life, even when I say quality of life, we start thinking, well, yeah, quality of life. I want to be able to get out and enjoy. That's not what I mean by quality of life. I mean the quality of character of your life, the the quality of your life in terms of value, eternal value, the quality of your life in terms of how much difference are you making for God and for Jesus Christ. Uh, Better is not defined by better health, a better life should not be defined by having better health, although I'm not against health either, right? And neither was Jesus. But better life should not be defined by better health, but by better living, by better character, by better purpose. And as you have better purpose for your life, you will live a better life in the truest sense of the word. But your life's still going to end, bottom, bottom line. You know, can you add an hour to it? Maybe you can. I don't know. Your life's still going to end. It's got that, you know, you got that date. That expiration date that you don't get to see, but God knows. And and we have parables, like the parable of the rich fool who built bigger barns to store his greater amount of stuff that he never got to enjoy because he died, right? And then he goes on to clothing, verses 28 through 30. Why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. When he says lilies of the field, he's not just saying flowers. He's saying wildflowers, which are so pretty. Yeah, I I I go through life oblivious. I go through something and people are going around saying, oh, that's so pretty. And I go, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean uh, that's not an exaggeration. That's what I do. People are talking, especially the people who say who say, oh, look at these wheat fields, they're so pretty. And I go, what? <laughs> go to the mountains. Trees are pretty. That's wheat. You know, it may make money, but it's not pretty. <laughs> Ask me if I didn't see that coming. (laughs) But but of all people, I I think it was last summer. I was mowing, and and I looked at this little flower down there that I was about to mow, and it was purple and yellow, and it never I've I've never these you probably know the name of them. You say oh that's a that such and such flower, and I and I got down and I looked at that flower and I thought. This thing is amazing. It's beautiful. I have, you know, my whole life, I never looked at one of these little flowers. I looked at this little flower, this is incredible. People should plant these. (laughs) It was, and then I mowed it, you know. (laughs) But you know, I've, I've got my ties, I've got my shirts, I've got my pants, I've got my sock. I don't have anything pretty as that flower. Right, and, and by the way, if I start wearing things that pretty, <laughs> yeah, you can talk to me about it. I'll try to stop, but 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 the, it's a reality. When God says He has Solomon in His glory, did not look like this. I believe it absolutely, having looked at that one flower in depth for a couple minutes. I was amazed at the beauty in that flower. God's artwork's on display. I have nothing like that. And if God dresses up grass with flowers like that, how much more will he take care of me and the things I need? Do I have to worry about clothes? He'll, he'll provide. By the way, I talk about, about my tithes. I think I have, bought, I have not bought a tithe of my tithes because people say, oh, Pastor Steve, he wears ties. Look at that one. I'm going to make him wear this one. <laughs> and so they buy me a tie. I have all, all my tithes are gifts, and, and I'm I'll, I'll, virtually. I, I bought a couple here and there. But uh, point being, God is clothing your pastor <laughs> with. And by the way, this is probably the, the oldest tie I own. Uh, when I when I got kicked out of the church in Spokane, <laughs> when I when I graduated from Bible college, they gave me a a certificate to Kuppenheimer's. Uh, place and I went and I got a, a jacket that I can no longer wear, but the tie I still can <laughs> funny how this thing still fits uh, I, I still have the jacket because I tell people someday i 'm going to be a little old man, and when I am, maybe it will fit again, but uh, brown, brown tweed still has to be in so <laughs> But point being, if God dresses us with things like that, won't he dress his servants as well? He will take care of our needs. Okay, And so then we go to verses 31 and 32. Do not worry then. He's just saying, you you see this truth. God takes care of the, the ground. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of all these things. Don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we to drink? Or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And when he says, for your heavenly Father knows you need these things, it says he's he's up on it. He's aware of the the problems you have. The Gentiles worry about, and by the way, we're all Gentiles, and so you go, yeah, okay. But for practical purposes, uh, in fact, the scripture reading, uh, that version, whatever it was, said the pagans know this. And and that's the point it's making. The, The people who don't follow God, uh, no, they need these things, right? They have to worry about things. They have to because nobody else is providing them for them. Nobody else is taking care of them on, on their behalf, but we have a Heavenly Father providing for us. So I was a supply clerk in the Army, right? Uh, I, I, was, I, had, I had the world's hardest duty. I had the world's easiest job in the Army. I was in a supply room in Colorado Springs, Fort Carson, Colorado, at the base of Pikes Peak for two and a half years, serving an MP company. And, and I made sure, you know, there's there certain things you have to make sure they always have. They always, they when, when the guy's in the barracks, if a light bulb burns out, they go to you for a light bulb. If uh, they run out of toilet paper, they come to you for toilet paper. Uh, if they lose or drop a or run over a pen or give it to a friend, they come and say, hey, can I have a pen? We just hand them pens and paper. I mean, this is just a small part of the job, but we always just handed those things. We never ran out of toilet paper. I wonder what has what has happened in the last couple of years, you know, if it still works that way. But, but every time they needed toilet paper, they came and they asked for toilet paper. We gave them toilet paper. They came and they asked for light bulbs. We gave them light bulbs. They came and they asked for, for pen. I, I talked to Pastor John about this because he was in the Navy. I said, did your supply room ever, and he started talking about, did, I said, did they ever not have what you need? Because I don't think we ever failed to have what they need. He started talking about the most bizarre things. <laughs> I'm going, what? And then he said, they didn't have it. I had to wait three hours. I'm going, what? <laughs> I didn't say you get it right away. We had to, One time we had to get dog food because we had to supply the police dogs, and they can't eat normal dog food, so we had to drive to Denver to get it. So they had to wait it day." (laughs) I'm going, that's a problem? You had to wait a day to get dog food for your stinking spoiled dogs? Yeah, it's like, I'm going, going, man, we went out of our way. We went to Denver to get your dog food. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Point being, they didn't have to worry about those things. That was my job, right? And because it was my job, I made sure they had those things that they needed to do their job. Because that was my job. God is saying, that's my job. You worry about your job. Uh, it, it, was, it was just that complicated and that simple. He will never fail to meet our need. We have a heavenly Father providing for us. But it's so easy to worry about that, those things. And so, of course, we Christians, because we're Christians, we know we're not supposed to worry, so we don't worry. Right? We don't worry. We might be concerned. right? We might just say, well, but I care. That's, I'm, just, I'm not worried. I just want you to know I care. We might, we might get a little anxious about it. And so, being a deep scholar, I looked up the word for worry in Greek. The, word, the Greek word translated worry is uh, merimnao, merim, merim, <laughs> merim or merimnao, I'm not sure. In English, it would be M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O, merimnao. And in the New American Standard Version, it's translated worry. It's also translated be anxious, care, or concerned. (laughs) (laughs) So all those words, we say, well, I'm not worried. I just care. (laughs) I'm just concerned. And the words that we use to say, well, I'm not worried, God's looking and saying, yeah, worried, 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 worried. (laughs) We do. It's a problem with having that Greek. It'd be better if we just had English. And all those things that we do instead of worry are just the word worry dressed up in nicer clothes so they're more acceptable and we think we can do it. But the fact is God knows what we need. And you know what, the, there are two problems I have with God knowing what we need. And the first is, do we trust him to provide? Do we believe that he will provide? If I step out on faith and spend that time doing the things, and when I want to say spend the time, I'm not saying go find no way, new ways to serve him but serve him in the ways you already think he wants you to. Right? Because you can, you can load yourself with a bur- huge burden of oppressive duties and say, oh no, I have to do this. I have to be a missionary. I have to." Well, If God calls you to be a missionary, then yeah, you have to be a missionary. But if he doesn't call you to be a missionary, then you don't. You already have ways God wants you to serve, that God opens doors. And if you, don't, if you can't think of anything you say, well, God would have me serve in this way, then just pray. Dear God, how do you want me to serve you? Because God, if he's real, and he is, he hears your prayers, and he does, and he will answer your prayer. And he'll let you know what it is he wants you to do. And when, he, when you get the answer, you can't say, oh, I can't do that because I have to you know, do these seven other things. You have to say, yes, Lord, I will do it, and I will trust you to meet my needs. And your needs may not have as many zeros at the end as I mean, that, and that's the second problem. The first is trusting that He will do it at all, and second that He will do it the way you want Him to do it. Because <laughs> the way I want God to meet my needs is in style, right? <laughs> I have, I have this. I God, I just want you to know I have very specific needs, and they look like this, and they sound like this, and they. Uh, are replenished on a regular basis, and those are my needs, God, and God's looking and saying, oatmeal for you, buddy. You can, you can survive on oatmeal. And, and, and unfortunately, he's right. <laughs> we can. Do we, do we think he, we need the same things? He, that, will he think we need the same things we think we need? And I suspect, I really suspect that if we stop trying to get all those things he doesn't think we need, we'd probably be happier people. Yeah, life would be so much simpler. But that's the truly tough question, and one that I probably don't know how to answer very well. I say, here's the the truly tough question that I don't know that I how to answer really well, is how does this work in real life? Uh, Do I quit my job and stop supporting my family and wait for God to provide? The Bible says in in 2 Thessalonians, he who does not take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. Steve's paraphrased, but it says that. Do I stop shopping and just sitting around the home, start sitting around the home waiting for people to survive? In the Middle Ages, they had these people called begging friars. They weren't chickens, <laughs> but, but monks. And they would go out, and they because they were too busy being holy to work, they went out and begged so that the people who were working would provide for them. I knew a guy, he was a, a pastor, who said, I, he sent out a letter. And, and in his letter, this is many, many years ago, in his letter he said, I believe that God wants me to build my home without debt, so I'm offering you this opportunity to, to give donations to help me do it. And I'm going, what? I looked, I said, I who am paying for my house by the, I, I know you guys paid my, paid for my house, but <laughs> my money came from you, but... but uh, you know, people who are working hard to pay for their house are supposed to let you live what you think is biblically by giving you the money that they had to work for? I thought, the, the, to me, it was the height of hypocrisy. And God does not want us to do that. God does not want us to go around and claim special privileges or, or special rights. He does want us to work and earn our money. He's not saying, That's not at all not what he's saying. Uh, so, so if that's not the right answer, what is it? And I think the answer is we go about our lives being responsible paying our bills, and earning our way. But we do it in such a way that it doesn't interfere with serving God. Right. So if God has called you to be an accountant, then be an accountant who serves God. If God has called you to be a farmer, then be a farmer who serves God. Right. And, and so on, and so on, and so on. So that it doesn't get in the way of what you're doing. We do it in such a way that we aren't just chasing the next, new, next buck to get the next new thing. Right? Uh, we, we do it in such a way that even though we're working for the money, we're still trusting in God. I think that's the right answer. And I think maybe the real key to making it work is to be grateful. To give thanks, and, the, and, and you say, well, why am I giving thanks if I'm working for it? Well, then you've got to start being grateful to recognize that too is a gift from God. Uh, a key, one key is gratitude. Thanking God in everything, and for everything, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. First Thessalonians, right? Gratitude, I think the, uh, another key to that is humility. Knowing that even that ability to work is also a gift, and not everybody has that gift. You know, to get a job, what do you need? You need to be in the right place at the right time. Sometimes you need to know the right people. Because right? you can be more qualified than the guy three, three, three guys ahead of you in the row. but if he gets hired, even though you're more qualified, you don't have the job. He was in the right place at the right time. right And, 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 and we have to be humble about those things. You might be the one who was more qualif- or less qualified, but you got the job anyway because you were in the right place at the right time. That's a gift from God, humility, knowing that even the ability to work is a gift. And, and so we thank God for his generous provision. It's still His provision and we recognize it's from Him, and we don't let that get in the way of our serving God. Our job, right? Verse 33. uh, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Our job is to seek His kingdom. His job is to meet our needs. That's His job. It's not our job. It's His job. Depending on how you look at it, it can seem foreboding and burdensome and fearful, or it can seem liberating. Right? And by the way, it's supposed to be the second one. Everybody who remembers, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Was that an oppressive song? I mean, the kids today don't know that song. They've never heard that song, but everybody who was a Christian in the 70s and 80s knew that song because you had to. It was like required, <laughs> and, and we all sang it. And and, and the same. And it, was, it was not an oppressive song. It was a freeing song. It was a liberating, it was a worshipful song of trusting in God and trusting in His provision. It was not oppressive. And I'm afraid that as I'm giving this message that it feels oppressive and it's not supposed to be. Jesus, Jesus is saying you're, you should be free from the worry of these things. These, the, the worries that are oppressing you and holding you down and forcing you to, to, to do these things and live this way and this life that's making you miserable, you can be free. And and, and I will tell you, I I know a trick about being free from the concerns of things. I like to tell people I have people. I have people, right? Uh, Well, Steve, how do you take care of your car? I'm kind of an idiot with cars, but I have people. Call Jeremy, call Dion, call Robert. Hey, got this problem, got that problem. Oh, here's what you need to do. Bring it on over, and we'll take a look at it. (laughs) I have people. Computer problems. I can go so far with computer problems, but I have people, right? We got a new computer in the office. Have a problem? Ben is working on it. (laughs) I have people. I don't, you know, there are things that I can do and there's things that I can't do. And I, I happen to be really good at knowing my shortcomings, I think, and saying, you know. That's a little high. Zach, would you get that for me? <laughs> right? Uh, there's nothing high there. But, well, there's something on the ceiling. <laughs> Zach could probably get it for me. I don't. He's tall. right? Yeah, I have people. I don't have to worry about those things. I have people. Well, what about your provision? I don't have to worry about that. I have God. It's, it's just that complicated. It, 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 or it's supposed to be that complicated. I have God. I could worry about those things, but you know what? I'm not good at them. Providing for myself, I'm not very good at it. Providing for tomorrow, I'm even worse at it. But I have God. It's not my job to worry about those things. I have to worry about doing what he wants today and let him take care of tomorrow because that's his job. Not only is it his job, he says it's his job. It's not like his job where he's going to go, oh, you think that's my job? He's the one that told us it's his job. He says, you serve me, I'll take care of that. Ready for this? Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Do you think he's going to hold out on you? Do you think he's going to short you in the deal? He gave you his son. And when we say he gave his son, he, he says he delivered him over for us all. He gave his son. I ain't doing that. Sorry, bad grammar. I am not doing that. <laughs> but he gave his own son. Do we think he's going to short us on the deal? Do we think he's going to cheat us and we're not going to get a fair, fair deal out of it? We're, we got a fair deal already. If he doesn't clothe us and we go run around, stay naked and hungry, we're still ahead of the deal because he gave us his own son. But he gives us so much more than that. And he wants to because he loves us and he does meet our needs. Are you afraid He will cheat you? Do you think He will skimp? To provide you with eternal life, He gave His own Son. By the way, make sure you have that. Right? Everything else I say means nothing if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's, 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 I might as well be speaking in another language because it does not apply. This is a message for believers only. And you say, well, well but so it can't work for me? Of course it can work for you. Because he gave his only son for you. So if you need him, you just say, Jesus? And I, I, I want, yeah, I, someone shared this with me, and it's a really dirty trick. Talked about uh, an evangelist who doesn't pray the sinner's prayer. I said, how can an evangelist not pray? You know, sinner's prayer, I've sinned, I need a Savior, uh, please forgive me. And he said, well, you can't find it in the Bible. Well, shh, no you can't. (laughs) It's not in there. It's not in there. All these people came to Jesus without the sinner's prayer? How can that be? The answer is, with their heart, they went to Christ. With their heart, they placed their faith in him. If you know about Jesus, you have faith up here. When you trust in Jesus, you have faith down here, and it's not the heart versus the head. It's you need both, right? Uh, those God is spirit. Those who who worship Him worship Him in spirit and in truth, right? Heart and soul, mind and soul, heart and body, the everything, both your will and your mind. Be do not be transformed by this world, but be. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind has to be involved, but the heart has to be involved, too. And and, and you just do it. And and you say, but but I don't know. When I asked Jesus to be my Savior, I didn't know. (laughs) My words were, if this is true, I want it. I didn't know, but I honestly presented myself to him. That's all it was. And apparently, it changed my life. I don't think I would be here doing this had that not happened. (laughs) I kind of doubt it. So be sure you have not missed the fact that He has provided you with eternal life and have that gift come to Him. And if you haven't yet, do it. He will not fail to provide eternal life, and He will not fail to provide what you need in this life. Seek Him first and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Lord, it is hard to trust you for the daily things when it is so easy to trust ourselves. But Lord, they get in the way, these daily things, and stop us from serving you as we should. I ask for each one of us to to place those things aside, to place you first in our lives, and to serve you as you intend. I pray in Jesus' name.